0: Hi, friends. We'll dive into the episode in just a moment. But while we have you here, have you left ratings and reviews for The Dirt on your preferred listening platform? It Would truly, truly mean so much to us if you did, and it's a way to support the show with just a few minutes of your time. So if you like the show, if you use the show in your classrooms, if you have questions for us about archaeology stuff or podcasting stuff or science communication stuff, let us know. We love to be a resource. Drop us a line at thedirtpodcast at gmail.com.
1: And finally, if you are enjoying the show and you want to support us in a more material way... You can by joining us at the Dirt Bags Only Premium Membership subscription. Fell off. Um, You get a seven day (laughs) free trial and immediate access to that premium content of uh, listen to it all. Time it. Tell us how long it takes. Yeah, maybe it's weeks. We haven't. (laughs) And after that, you're supporting the work that we do for just five dollars a month. So come hang out in the Dirtbags Only Lounge, which is an RSS feed, by pointing your browser <laughs> to <laughs> https colon slash slash the hyphen dirt hyphen podcast.captivate.fm slash support. i
0: going to turn that into is, a ringtone.
1: Which is going to be, yeah, every time you get a WhatsApp, it's that. Uh-huh. It w- uh-huh. wouldn't be more annoying than some of the WhatsApp ringtones I heard i'm at work uh and this will also be in the show notes so it'll be in the show notes so you don't have to you know go back you don't have to remember to the... and be reading that to you again and then yeah like, i wonder how that's spelled it's in the, it's in the show notes it's fine we're putting it in the show notes okay let's get on with it
0: Hello! And welcome to The Dirt, a podcast about archaeology, anthropology, and our shared human past. I'm Anna.
1: And I'm Amber! And I'm a human, and I want to understand myself. Well, Teach me about humans. I don't know if I
0: can help you with that, but I can, I can help you think about human evolution. Yeah? Um, yeah. Like, like uh, how we
1: grow and change and heal.
0: So, from a strictly biological anthropology perspective, <laughs> individuals do not evolve. Oh, um, but like I'm not also not your therapist, so that's right. Yeah,
1: I had to reschedule uh, with her. Segue. Yeah. Why did I have to
0: set? Sure. Oh, because you're far, far away. I'm so far work.
1: away. I'm so far away, yeah. and I'm so sweepy. Um, okay,
0: yeah,
1: well, I am. Do you,
0: <laughs> Amber is traveling for work and so we are
1: but I'm, I'm working with what we have for work, just yeah, very yeah. far away. So I'm in Saudi Arabia. So greetings from Hello. Hazy Hazy Saudi Oh my goodness. One of my colleagues showed up today. And I mean she looks <laughs> gorgeous every day, but she's wearing like 20 layers and she's wearing like this like like chunky turtleneck. And she has uh-huh. this like even her like purse was cold, and it was like this like like sort of like <laughs>
0: Flacotti. did she have it in a sweater no it
1: was like this like flaccati like wool sort of uh-huh like the the real the the real shaggy wool kind of thing uh-huh sure uh, and she shows up and she's <laughs> like oh it's it's really wintry out there today and i'm like girl it's 65 and yeah.
0: like it's, just, <laughs> it's like 27 here and, and there's snow
1: and so she she's coming, like she's coming to the States, like for this oh. delegation we're planning. And oh, I'm like, going to be chilly. And so she told me, she's like, Oh, it's so cold. And I was like, Let me show you my dog. And it's like Calypso, Calypso's wearing her little pin sweatshirt, like out in the snow. So I'm missing the snow day. Mm. And I It's asked,
0: turning into a slush day. So Yeah.
1: Right. But oh, because it's day there. So it's a night here. It's real mm-hmm. hazy. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing a training on uh, digital technologies in heritage site interpretation. So I mean, I'm not doing it. Great. I'm just sitting there being like, Marhaban, uh, Anna Ismi Amber. Uh, as, <laughs> 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 um, but it's it's really it's really really cool. Our trainer is uh, he's super rad and he's like so talented. And um, they're learning about. So these are folks that work like in the heritage sector and they're learning about incorporating, uh, kind of emergent and like sort of augmentative technologies in yeah. sort of moving through like, um, like sites and spaces and helping, helping research, helping sort of public outreach and education. And so mm-hmm. we got to do, um, so our our uh, speaker is our facilitator is Tunisian, and so he's he's got some stuff around like Carthage, and so mm-hmm. there was a VR where you put on the Oculus and you, like a, yes. a Phoenician guy is like hello, and like I'm a
0: sea person,
1: yeah. And, well, and like he like and he you gives can you a see tour my person. He he gives you a tour of a boat, and then he shows you an oh, elephant. Oh, cool! And and this is just, like the
0: much cooler VR versions of all the like Dorling Kindersley. CD-ROM games I played as a kid Oh in, wow. like middle school. I didn't know those yeah. existed,
1: but I was a big fan of those books. But there was that, and then there's like an augmented reality thing where you can kind of drop a – well, it was a fort, <laughs> a fort into <laughs> the room. And then they're like, – yeah, so like really cool stuff. And so these folks are like that's, learning, that's learning to cool. play with it. So they're having a great time. Um, okay. I'm having a great time. I'm so tired. My tummy – but I'm Let so me tell excited. Story. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And I hope I sound okay. I'll be home soon. Yeah. And then I will sleep for a week.
0: Yeah, sleep for a week and then record into your microphone again instead of yeah. your iPhone. Um but I think I think it's gonna be okay. <laughs> Listeners, put those emails away. It's fine. Okay. So what I have for you all today is based on a presentation that I gave a couple weeks ago to the fine folks at the Arapahoe County Library in Colorado. So um, I had an hour, and the title of the talk was, Where Do Humans Come From? So it was an extremely whirlwind tour of human evolution. Uh, An hour is not enough time, and neither is the span of this podcast episode. But It reminded me how much I like thinking about early humans. And since we've really barely scratched the surface with our own episodes on the topic, and also (laughs) it was a really long time ago that we did stuff has changed. That series things well, I mean, we've we've become aware of things. Yeah, that's true. And and our awareness has changed. But stuff
1: stuff being understanding. Yeah,
0: Yeah. um (laughs) and also those were episodes like 29 through 31 i know and so we're 200 episodes past that now
1: but we haven't evolved as i just learned a few minutes ago
0: but we haven't biologically evolved but maybe we've evolved as 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 people anyway um i'm oh i'm gonna take you on a brief tour of our genus homo we are homo sapiens um and i'm gonna focus mostly on one specific part of the picture, which is tools and tool use. But to do that, I'm going to need to set up some context. And so first that involves just briefly talking about human evolution, just sort of as a concept and then uh, moving on to a little timeline, a little tour of the, the human uh, lineage. And then, um, and then we're going to get into kind of, Some of the tool stuff, and then in the premium feed, we're going to kind of really dive into what it is. What is it about tool use? Like, what aspects of tool use are uniquely human? Because tool use is not unique to humans. Um, There are plenty of animals that use tools. So, why are we so special?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, you know, we will we will get there in that premium feed. So, if you want, I
1: think that's the level of. Engagement you're gonna get from me. I just real, I fully yeah. processed that what I said was,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. Okay, Sorry. that's okay. Uh, no, you are you are here to <laughs> be told a story yeah. and to read some quotes. So oh, so let's get God. to it. First of all, human evolution. The the first thing that I want to start with is that in general, and that includes for for our species, uh, evolution is not linear it's inevitable that we look back on the human lineage and kind of see it as a progression through time. And a lot of people, I think, uh, misunderstand that as a progression towards us. So it's really important to understand that in human evolution, Homo sapiens is not an endpoint. Any fossil species and any sort of living human is simply a snapshot of the evolutionary process at that time and place for that species. Um, and so the sort of stereotypical cartoon of the the march of progress, or the, the you know the the classic chimp silhouette to slightly upright silhouette to you know man Sla- walking that's Neanderthal. Yeah, that's that's extremely misleading, and and it's based on ideas that are hundreds of years old. So um, hundreds. That's one
1: like actually hundreds.
0: Well, uh, the sort of idea of linear evolution came about in the 1800s and it is now the 20 um, okay, hundreds, 150, 150, 200.
1: Uh, um, and, and then, um, yeah. And I guess that this is, I I mean, I've thought about this before that it's not linear before. I've thought about that before. and like, I know that, uh-huh. but, um,
0: uh-huh.
1: but I, I hadn't really thought until now about that. It's such a, that like to to think of it that way to think of it as linear or sort of working towards a goal is to sort of give this like collection of emerging and dropping out traits and stuff as like mm-hmm. having that being like a conspiracy like just like that no it has, no no like, no no that, no, it, that no. it has <laughs> no that it has like agency that there's sort yeah, of like there a, is no agency there's in a evolution to, like oh we're we're getting there like we're You know, we're we're, almost human.
0: Yeah. You know, like,
1: yeah, like as if like our genetic material is like engaging in design thinking or something. Yeah. As if there's a a committee
0: somewhere that's like, oh, not that.
1: It took a, it took a a, like management course. And yeah. So
0: yeah. yeah. Evolution happens in response. So evolution is driven by two things, random genetic mutation and response, adaptive responses to environmental pressures. And it's whatever generations of a species within those generations, whatever individuals are best suited to their environment, those are the ones that tend to survive and pass on whatever genes they have. And sometimes when random mutations pop up, it turns out that the traits associated with those genes are more helpful. And so those it, traits start popping up more and more. And then, you know, gradually you see a, a, a species adapt until it is a different species.
1: Is is the adaptive, is, is the adaptation... Mm is it is adaptation different from random traits working out better like working out well enough for the for the those those that genetic really. material to continue on or to...
0: the adaptation is the sort of the increase in frequency of those genes within a species so if there is a small number of individuals who develops Uh, who just because of a genetic mutation um, has some aspect of it, like maybe they have extra thick fur, right? Right. Maybe it's an animal with, I'm not talking about humans anymore here, but maybe it's an animal with extra thick fur. And then it turns out that there's a climate shift towards colder conditions. In general, as long as those cold conditions persist, what you would expect to see is more and more individuals as the generations continue uh, and offspring get born. You'd, you'd, want, you'd expect to see a higher percentage of individuals with that heavier coat because the individuals that are surviving longer to pass on their genes are the ones better suited to those cold conditions. I am simplifying this, yeah. In a way that is perhaps too flattened.
1: Well, yeah. I guess like what I what I'm trying to understand here is all of that initially emerges randomly.
0: Mm-hmm. And whether or not it sticks around in a population is determined is, by how many is successful, adaptive? how much successful mating there is. So yeah.
1: it's like random at scale. Like that's sort of like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, the the random things being selected for, and then yeah, I, it I, is. <laughs> that that <laughs> it sigh is, is like a genuine sigh of like me trying to understand. And then there's no just a lot of stuff that comes along. For the rat. Mm-hmm.
0: Like yeah. You, so, like, what you've so, just shifted now from talking about on a genetic scale to talking about on the external, like, phenotypic scale, which is like the actual traits that are expressed um, because of those genes. Yeah. So, right? so like,
1: so, like the ones that have so this this creature this this mm-hmm. this mammal that we're thinking of mm-hmm. um, that has that some of them have thicker fur, mm-hmm. and then um, there's a, a you know some kind of change in, in climate, and they mm-hmm. they they survive more readily. Mm-hmm. And that's an adaptation. That's an adaptation, but then so that's an adaptation, but evolution also will reflect if the same. The, the same gene that, that dictates um, thicker fur also mm-hmm. creates blue eyes, mm-hmm. that that's just something that comes along with it. Just or- a
0: ride-along and it happens to, it doesn't negatively or positively affect the individuals. So it just is a thing that happens and is sort of a neutral ride-along in terms of how it expresses physically in, okay. in the animal. or. Are, are you, organism.
1: Are we going to talk about anything in humans that are just ride-alongs, or can you not can specifically you, here? Do any come to um, mind for you? It's okay if it doesn't. I'm just, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to like understand this. Well, because I mean, as you know, we we have we have grown and evolved, and yet I still haven't evolve to understand. I think talking
0: about, I think talking about sort of the mechanics of evolution, even if it is relating to humans, I think that's a different episode. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think that's like a much more in-depth, uh, look at evolution, like as, as a process and sort of breaking it down, as you said, at different scales, because really the, the, the thing that I just, that I wanted to emphasize is just that, Evolution is based on it is based on random genetic mutations, but it is also guided, although without without agency, without direction. It is just simply shaped by changes in the environment, whatever those might be. And so I guess it's just hard, of,
1: it's just hard for me to conceive of things happening in the absence of agency.
0: Yeah, well, that's I mean, that is how. Evolution you know? works outside yeah, of like like, your, your like deliberate breeding. Um, <laughs> I can't. I. can't That's like no, but, I nothing I, I like, can do about it. Like,
1: yeah, I think that that is. Yeah, I think this is just. I'm I'm coming up against like a logical fallacy or like like, like a bias, like a like some kind of like, uh, yeah, like a little gap in my my uh, understanding. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that we've done the first the first line of the script. Yeah. Continue. Right.
0: Uh, Sorry. Twenty minutes I'm in. Trying to. It's okay. You don't have to understand every aspect of evolution in order to understand where we're going with this. Thank God. What you kind of alluded to in terms of like ride along genetic traits and things like that um, is a phenomenon that's um, typically referred to as mosaic evolution. And it's something that's going to be really important to consider as we... Um think about think about human evolution in general and the, the effects of being separated by geography and time on different populations. Because that's really how evolution into different species occurs. So I'll I'll okay. I will expand on that in a minute. But mosaic evolution is the idea that not all physical aspects of different species um, develop at the same time. So For example, and again, we'll get farther into this, but we were bipedal. We walked on two legs way, way, way before our brains increased in size from roughly the size of a chimp, which is our sort of Australopithecus ancestors.
1: A chimp's brain, not a chimp. Nope,
0: sorry, the size of a chimp's brain. Not a brain the size of a chimp. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. Uh, Roughly 400 cubic centimeters in case you... Cared. Um,
1: I mean, my, my brain can probably be measured in centiliters right now.
0: <laughs> mush. Soupy, yeah. For our purposes today, mm-hmm. we're talking about the evolutionary timeline of the genus Homo and sort of picking apart where some of the sort of, and I'm heavily using scare quotes here, some of the hallmarks of human evolution crop up. Um, and then kind of talking about in this, in the second premium part of the episode, um, I'm going to talk about sort of, uh, why some of those are kind of, uh, incorrect to think about that way, but, um, yeah, set them up and knock them down. But so mosaic evolution is just the idea that not everything evolves as, as a set, as a unit. Like some aspects of an organism, when you think when you look back in in the evolutionary history of a species, some some bits crop up at different times. Some things are related to each other. Some things aren't. So the idea of a mosaic, meaning these all these different little tiny bits adding up to the bigger picture, um, is going to be important in thinking about how, for example, Homo erectus spread out all over the world, and then the populations that were most separated by time and space were most likely to kind of adapt and evolve apart from one another and gradually become different species here is the the rough timeline of of uh, human evolution although while I said we were going to stick to the genus Homo we kind of have to look back into the the preceding genus Australopithecus um, just just to sort of see where see where it's coming from so around Uh, so one
1: genus gave way to another genus or so how so one i'm so sorry i'm really sorry no no no, it's okay it's okay i think i've i've put that together before i think i thought so wait they're hominin
0: hominin so the taxonomic divisions are kingdom phylum class order family genus species with lots of like subcategories in there that don't matter for our purposes, but, um, the farther apart a set, you know, the farther apart a pair of organisms is the farther, like the greater the category, the larger the category that they're like, they, they are related farther back along that kingdom phylum class. Yeah. So Australopiths are, they are, they are our direct ancestors, However, they are far enough separated from us in time that they are classified as a different species because of like the sort of amount of physical difference between Okay, so it's us. not and time. they're far enough back
1: It's it's not it's, so so like crocodiles the, <laughs> like have a like like they their same genus goes back further because they yeah, haven't yeah, yeah. done as much but,
0: evolving. Yeah, but or yeah, but we are di- different enough. No, no,
1: but I'm just like that, that it's.
0: Yeah, they haven't they haven't needed to change really, except they got smaller.
1: Right, right, right. But like, is there a is that just a is that just a decision that someone makes? Like, this is too yes. different?
0: That's the thing. Like, that's okay. the thing. Okay. It's not all like of a, these categories you to, are. You
1: have to like clear. It's like, oh, they are once you get 15 percent different.
0: No, you're no, no. There's not new species, like a and once you get genetic 60 blood you're... quantum.
1: No. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like
0: that's... No. These okay. categories, and that is one of the big sticking points in like, it It just makes paleoanthropology that much more complicated is um, there's a lot of disagreement and there are a lot of instances where a species has been described and sort of agreed upon that like, yep, this is a new species, but there are like three individuals from which... like we have fossil remains of three individuals, the end. And so that, that would be trying to like, trying to categorize and describe our species just using three people in the world picked at random. Yeah. Like to, to try and describe the entire, um, and like one of them's a top variation. Yeah. Yeah. Like just try and describe all the variation within Homo sapiens using just a teensy tiny sample size. So that is a problem. All of these categories are, um, are applied to the fossil record and in general there are conventions that are agreed upon before like um, in order to assign a new genus or species right like there are conventions that are the framework for that but there are just lots of disagreements because that's how we are we like to categorize things but we don't always agree on, on the sort of strictures of those categorizations like the the like what is required to
1: would i be totally off base to think that sometimes something is a new species because it would be super cool to have on your cv Mm. that you found Mm -hmm. a new species no comment but but like okay
0: but yes (laughs) because these are these are
1: subjective like, these are sort of, like, individual researchers. Um,
0: it's not completely kind of, subjective, but it is... But it I, can, I, like, Yeah,
1: that's why I stopped saying that sentence. Because it's not subjective, but it, it, it does have... It can have implicit bias. Because these yes. are sort of...
0: Because of the lure the of... Publica- people. Yeah, because, like, because people are messy. Pe- yeah.
1: People are messy, and there's, like... We gotta get tenure, you know, kind of thing. So, mm. um, but... Okay.
0: Yeah. If, Thank if, you. Yeah.
1: Thanks for clarifying that because I.
0: Sure. I hope it was it, actually. No. Yeah. Because
1: I never. I never thought. I never really thought about it because it's. Because if we
0: continue, Clearly to we f- should have done this first before jumping into like the, <laughs> hominin family tree stuff. But, but uh, well. But I we're guess. We're doing it now.
1: But but if we continue as we continue to find, uh, or and refine our understanding of, um, like our, our ancestors, um, mm-hmm. will, I assume there will be things that will be blurrier. Like,
0: Oh yeah. Some things will be made more clear. Some things will just become fuzzier. Yep. Yeah. Okay.
1: And not in like okay. a, not in the missing link sense. I'm not saying that one. No, no, no.
0: But like, no, no.
1: But, but just like a, some might be like, well, is this homo? Is this Australopith?
0: Yeah, the idea of like, do we divide this into a new category, or do we like lumpers versus splitters, s- which is a trait sec- oh, I yes. hate. Yeah. So like, are these grouped in with with this species? Is this an entirely new species? The skull looks different, but is that within the normal human or within the yeah. normal uh, standard deviation of whatever this species yeah. looks like? Like, just
1: mm, uh, one day a lot. we'll have a, a secret third genus.
0: That's not how that works.
1: Between Homo and an, an Australopithecus is what I'm saying. I don't. What if there's a secret third one? Stop it!
0: <laughs> don't make this a conspiracy. <laughs> so timeline, yes. like really, really briefly. Um, the first generally agreed upon member of the genus Homo is Homo habilis. So they were around between 2.4 million years ago and 1.5 million. So they they stuck around for about a million years. Yeah. Um, largely in Eastern uh, and Southern Africa. And so these are the fossils, not, not the fossils, but these fossils are what we know of Homo habilis primarily comes from, um, the Olduvai Gorge region, um, which is located in what is today Tanzania and, uh, and also around the area of Lake Turkana in Kenya. Um, Mm -hmm. both of those areas are part of the Great Rift, which stretches pretty much all the way down the, not exactly the coast, but immediately inland of the coast of, of the African continent. And, um, because it is...
1: Because there are two plates moving apart? Is that what's happening?
0: Yeah, there are two, yeah, it's, it is an area where two tectonic plates are gradually moving apart and sort of widening this big, deep chasm. And so as that happens, um, little fossils poke out of the cliffs and then anthropologists show up and go, Oh, it's cool. Don't start thinking about deep time. I know. I know. We do not. (laughs) That is not this episode. Okay. So Um, Homo habilis is because they were found in Olduvai Gorge, the tool technology that they are associated with because Homo habilis translates to handyman, you know, tool using guy. Mm -hmm. Um, this is the Oldowan tool technology named for Olduvai Gorge. So they are associated with the Oldowan stone tools, which basically are chunks of like river cobble that have been bashed so that they break and have sharp edges, which is an effective tool. They don't they don't look like much, but they are clearly they don't
1: look like much.
0: No, they don't because they look like broken rocks. They don't look like much has been done to them. Me, That's
1: me, OK. Re- no, it's just so, it's so I didn't, cool. mean, to, like, like, uh, I didn't that, mean to like
0: I didn't mean to call them but, you know, like <laughs> plain Jane, those tools. No, no, I didn't mean that. I just mean they don't look like they've been particularly yeah. refined uh, apart from having, you know, created an edge, a sharp edge. So but if any
1: if any homo habilis listeners, um, please direct your emails to Anna. If we've yeah. insulted any mm-hmm. homo habilis mm-hmm. listeners.
0: Yeah, my apologies. I'm canceled now. Here's a great example of this kind of the confusion created by, like, I'm salty about it, like unnecessary confusion created by lumpers versus splitters. Because okay. the there is a species um, defined as Homo rudolfensis. There's only one specimen. Because that's a and specimen, then it's, it's a it is a spec. Well, it's it is thought to be a male just because of um, of course the physical aspects of it. So yeah, th- I, I'm not really going to go into Homo rudolfensis except that it, it sure does look a lot like homo habilis but different like you know what is it a different species i don't know does it truly matter i don't know (laughs) like if there's one that's what i'm saying if there's one right because it could be it could be a completely idiosyncratic thing where like sometimes you have people like now modern humans sometimes you have modern humans whose whose skeletons look quite different from what you might call like the average but like
1: i've spent the last what do we call this 20 years with this like (laughs) niggling fear of being like misgendered one day when someone finds my bones and now i get to think about what if they don't find anybody else's bones and they find my bones and they don't think i'm homo sapiens
0: no there are plenty of homo sapien examples and like scans uploaded to the internet you'll be fine you don't have any- enough of a brow ridge to be anything else, my dude. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: What, if, what if there's an EMP and then like...
0: Homo erectus. A,
1: like, turf digs me
0: <laughs> Homo erectus <laughs> yes? is next. Okay. And so this is the one where we start to really get into like needing to think about um, mosaic evolution and where we need to start thinking about multiple... Um, Multiple populations of slightly different flavors of hominin um, existing at, at dif- in different parts of the world at the same time, because Homo erectus is around um, from one point nine million years ago to one hundred and forty thousand years ago. So Homo erectus is an incredibly it's it's a really persistent species, and it's a uh, they are well traveled. Not the individuals, obviously, but uh, I We I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, none of their passports survive. But Homo erectus populations move out of Africa uh, around 600,000 years ago. And hey, friends, it's me, Anna, who is editing this episode. And uh, I need to jump in here because I goofed up those dates. Um, Homo erectus populations started leaving Africa around 1.9 million years ago, which explains the degree of variation that we see within the species because they had a long time to spread out and get into different parts of the world and be uh, isolated from one one another without sharing their genes and developing different adaptations according to those environments. Homo sapiens started leaving Africa around 600,000 years ago. So sorry about that. I goofed. Here we go and i'm not using this word in a uh, in a in a way that means anything other than occupying but they start colonizing different parts of the world and so this is as you know as far as you know up into up into europe up towards uh, western asia up into asia south asia um so homo erectus is the ancestral hominin species that evolves gradually, depending on where these populations end up, into Homo floresiensis in the Philippines, Homo luzonensis, yeah. also a but not hobbits. small, no, they're not. No, they're you will if you Google they're
1: people.
0: They are people. Um, Hobbes, they aren't just people. are. <laughs> Homo erectus S- is the population that evolved into, depending on where in the world they were, Homo floresiensis, Homo luzonensis, and Homo naledi. Um, all three of which are, because of certain aspects of their environment, physically quite different from Homo erectus. Homo erectus tended to be five to six feet tall, um, long legs and shorter arms, as opposed to earlier hominins that had kind of the reverse. shorter. They had long, longer arms relative to their body size. Um, no, not like a gibbon. I see you doing the gibbon arms. It's not that. But... Um, homo phrysensis homo lucinensis and homo naledi were both were all three very sort of uh, petite species um for various reasons all of them having to do with evolution hey uh, and so we we don't really have time to get into the specifics but in general their ancestors were homo erectus but their environmental sort of the niche that that population ended up in was so specific in its pressures that they evolved to have like e- extremely different physical uh, properties to, to Homo erectus.
1: How long um, did that take?
0: It's different across those three populations, but um, like up to a million years.
1: And just yeah. like with like the, uh different like so just like with new genus there isn't mm-hmm. like criteria that you have to like
0: right it's you, just
1: there's no like okay the same thing for for a species it's cuz you talk so, about like the sort of there's like the um,
0: I think you're kind of coming the, at it backwards in that you are thinking of like there's criteria set up and then a uh, fossil evidence is found and then you match it against those criteria but actually it's when a fossil is found it is then an an issue of like looking comparatively at all other existing Yeah. Well that's, examples uh, but that's and then assigning it's,
1: it's the so species is the same thing as genus where it's not like a if it's sixty percent different. <laughs> yeah, it's that, not like that's that, what no. I'm saying. So it's the same yeah. the same principle of looking at
0: mm-hmm.
1: all exist and then and then um like kind of correlating traits and mm-hmm.
0: and Yeah, like and them. in instances where the fossils are too old for DNA extraction, it has to do with okay. like the, the, what's called morphology, so morphology, like the, the shapes yeah. of yeah, the, the, the shapes of the various bones and how they, how they compare to one another. But okay. if there is DNA evidence available, then it's, it is also based on that. Um, and Homo erectus was the immediate ancestor of the last common ancestor of us and Neanderthals. So here's what was happening. Homo erectus begins in Africa the species the population is first in africa around 600,000 years ago population starts spreading out all over the place and as that happens they are adapting to their new environments over generations right and so as these populations get spread farther and farther apart like think about the differences in environmental pressures in in, in islands in indonesia versus western europe yeah right They are extremely different environments. And so over time, over many, many, many generations and thousands of years, you get these hominin populations that have a common ancestor, not, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not that long ago, but who look quite different from, from one another. And so this is where we have to start thinking about different populations doing different things at the same time, right? So, at the same time that Homo erectus is gradually uh, populations of Homo erectus are evolving in Africa, you've got the common ancestor of humans and Homo sapiens evolving in, in sort of the the Levant and, um, and Europe. And there is some disagreement about that last common ancestor. So initially, um, so for, for the past several decades um a species called homo heidelbergensis was thought to be the last common ancestor of homo sapiens and neanderthals so basically sort of like our grandparent in species terms like I if guess they would neanderthals
1: are opa cuz it's from heidelberg
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um yes it was i got jailed. you, you <laughs> did um Yes, the, it's called Homo heidelbergensis because the first like type specimen, the one that is used to recognize all of the other ones, uh, was found in Heidelberg, Germany, but they were around most of Europe and sort of East, uh, Western Asia. So Homo heidelbergensis um, was thought for a long time to be the last common ancestor of Homo sapiens and Neanderthals, but that's contested now mm-hmm. um, based on... Um, DNA evidence and based on, again, like morphology and stuff. And so the the problem is um, there's not a lot of evidence for who else it might be. Um oh. There is, yeah. So, so like a, Amber, do. I'd like you to... Well, no, it's not like that. It's just that there's a, a dearth of specimens, but the specimens that do exist suggest that maybe there's... Some missing information. Um, so, go ahead and, and read that quote, if you would, okay. please.
1: Okay. So, I'm quoting from the uh, website of the Natural History Museum of London, which I've been to, I took a selfie at with with the with the Neanderthal mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. million years ago,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, before either of us existed.
0: Quote. Truly.
1: Current evidence from both fossils and DNA suggests that Neanderthal and modern human lineages separated at least 500,000 years ago. Some genetic calibrations place their divergence at about 650,000 years ago. Both dating issues and fossil anatomy mean that scientists are currently uncertain whether the last common ancestor of Neanderthals and modern humans was Homo heidelbergensis, Homo antecessor, or another species.
0: Yeah. And so that's the thing. There is the, the chronology is really wiggly. And so without more information to kind of further refine that chronology, um, and to further like, um, contextualize what genetic evidence we do have, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks. And so you mentioned Homo antecessor or antecessor, um, that is again a a big old question mark. Uh, this is based on specimens found in uh, in what is today Spain in Arapuerca at the well, in the Cima de los Huesos, which is Cave of Bones, mm-hmm. um, and so it, this is definitely a variety of of human genus Homo um, in Europe. And so there's one really well preserved fossil, and it's just a face bone, the the upper jaw maxilla, maxilla uh, that,
1: which i always hear to the tune of axilla by fish okay it's a real corner of my life that i don't think I i've would ever with, shared with anyone
0: i would go with to the tune of godzilla by blue oyster cult but whatever to each I their had, own um
1: i had a fish period
0: this episode has a weird energy huh oh yep the vibes are the vibes are a little silly okay so whatever the the actual common ancestor was eventually we get to neanderthals um and they were so this is one of those things where there I'm, is I'm kind sorry,
1: of real quick uh, mm-hmm. homo antecessor
0: mhm
1: is like it, is it a common ancestor there is, but I not know. necessarily the last one. There's no
0: agreement. There's oh, not. There's, uh,
1: there's whether it's an it, it is oh, well, a an ancestor is, at so. all. That's my that's the question. Not like, okay. Uh, is it is the question? Are they
0: in there? Yeah, yeah. They they are in our genus, but well, it's sort okay. of again the but question of okay, duh.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's <laughs> the again the question
0: of like the question isn't are they in our genus? It's just sort of like where who are they connected to. Where where do we put them in the timeline, which so it's is, just, uh not agreed upon currently.
1: And you say um, best-preserved fossils? Does that mean there are not very well-preserved fossils or not conclusive there are, fossils that are thought
0: to be? Uh, Yes? No, Sema de los Huesos has incredible preservation, but yes, as you said. Um, I think a l- there's a lot of disagreement about how different the bones are okay. and sort of like is it enough variation to put it in its own category or is something else going on here with like extremely regional adaptations. And it's just like a population of Homo, uh, Homo Heidelbergensis or Homo Erectus that just looks like that. I don't know.
1: So Okay. So there's just a lot of Huesos there.
0: <laughs> See? Yeah. Um, and a really cool hand axe called Excalibur because it's big. I've seen it. Um, Okay, I too have been to museums. We got your Neanderthals. Um, yeah. I could go on about them forever. Um, <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> I could go on, but uh, we are nearing the hour mark, and there's a lot to go. And I got to edit this. So, in the well, I'm interest about to fall of fall
1: asleep, so I, th- I think I'll not be talking in the
0: interest much more. of my future sanity. Yeah. Here we go. Um, so we're gonna kind of gloss over Neanderthals, but. Um, <laughs> not so unique crossover between this podcast and my work podcasts. Um, brains on is coming out with a Neanderthal episode next week. I believe a a week from today, uh, featuring a lot of me and an imaginary talking Neanderthal doll named Paul y'all. So, uh, check that out. We'll link it when it comes out as real cute. I'm very proud of it. Okay. So, at the same time, Homo erectus is in Africa uh-huh. doing Homo erectus stuff. At the same time that Homo neanderthalensis has evolved and overlaps in in, in their sort of tenure on this earth um, in Europe and the Levant, at the same time as we've got um, Homo denisova, which is not an official taxonomic category because now like in these later um, – Hominin fossil finds. People are sort of acknowledging the difficulties of creating a category, mm-hmm. a whole new category based on like little bone crumbs. And so, Denisova Cave uh, is up in the Altai Mountains in Siberia, mm-hmm. and there have been a couple of finds that are uh, that have preserved DNA. So we we have mitochondrial DNA and, uh, and also nuclear DNA from, we have this evidence from, from the population that, that might get a new name that might not, but they're generally referred to as Denisovans, um, from Denisova cave. So the first ID of this group was made in 2010 based on mitochondrial DNA. So that's, that's the, the mom lineage one, um, extracted from just like the little teeny end of the pinky bone, um, of a young woman. And so from DNA, I mean, pretty much everything we know about Denisovans comes from DNA, apart from like they had pinkies.
1: And the young, the we say young woman because of...
0: I could say young in female. The, in the,
1: no, no, I'm not. I'm not no, um, it's, it's, we understand that from the DNA or is mm-hmm. it like a diagnostic bone?
0: No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. there's not a... A, to, like bone a, crumbs,
1: <laughs> right it's not yeah
0: no truly it's like this okay. like this bone would have been the size of um small like a small bean so what we know from this from the DNA evidence that we have is that there are close genetic affinities between denisovans and neanderthals um denisova cave itself was also uh found to be inhabited by both denisovans and neanderthals um but it's unclear whether any of this happened at the same time or they just like both populations were around and both using the space but not not as roommates, you know. Um and so there have been little other little bits and pieces from Denisova Cave that have been identified as Denisovan rather than Neanderthal or Homo sapiens. Um and so we have Evidence from DNA that suggests that they had brown skin, uh, brown eyes, and brown hair. So the gene for blue eyes hadn't hadn't shown up yet. And they had Neanderthal-like physiques, so short, stocky, which makes sense for a very, very cold climate. That tends to happen across species, whatever whatever the organism. Well, across mammals anyway. Um, They had larger molars, which may or may not mean anything. They just had larger... They happened to have larger molars than okay. Neanderthals.
1: So that's, like, one of the things that I was trying to ask about is just, like, some of the stuff is just...
0: Yeah, like, just it doesn't happens. necessarily mean that they were chomping on harder foods. It just, like, they had larger molars. We don't know exactly why.
1: That came along... That probably came along with something that did matter. Mm-hmm.
0: That, like, did mm-hmm. affect... Mm-hmm.
1: sort of Survival. survival.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And so there are... Um, there is evidence... Uh, that Neanderthals and Denisovans interbred. There is also evidence that Denisovans and Homo sapiens interbred. Um, There is about 5% of the the human genome in distributions of modern populations that comes from Denisovans. And this is specifically populations throughout Asia, the Philippines, New Guinea, and uh, possibly Australia. So that is where Denisovan populations likely ended up like they, if, if there is, if there are populations with Denisovan DNA in that part of the world, then roughly that's probably where Denisovans were hanging out. But it's a, it's a wide range, you know, from, from the mountains of Siberia down to the Philippines. Um, it's a well-traveled species. So again, this is, this is mosaic evolution. So like Denisovans have a very particular set of environmental pressures, and adapted accordingly and then it's hard to say whether there were in fact Denisovans sort of in the Philippines or whether this is sort of a later population migration that happened after interbreeding with homo sapiens
1: yeah so it isn't like a last Denisovan situation like that that like this material mm-hmm. that's that, like,
0: the, the sequel to the last Neanderthal. Well, well the prequel
1: <laughs> maybe um
0: oh yeah, but no 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 the...
1: okay so yeah I think that I think I'm just really um feeling like open here and like and realizing this is, an, this is another thing that I, I sort of just like the thinking about evolution as like having Agency and like having um,
0: mm-hmm. like sort of direction,
1: direct, di- but but it was like something a bit more like its um, um, intention. It's hard for me as as a, as a person socialized as I have been to not think about it as an yeah. intentional
0: act. No, and just like and here,
1: it's hard to think. I imagine about, a lot of our
0: listeners are having the same. Uh,
1: yeah, it's hard to think about um, the sort of evolution to, um, to think of like, I am Denisovan. My child is not, my child is like that,
0: that kind of, it's sort of a chicken and egg thing. It's hard to think
1: about it outside of identity, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, when I say I'm open, I'm just like feeling like a bit more aware like willing mm-hmm. to sort of recognize and like name these sorts of things that I'm, yeah, that I'm and, and sticking keep in mind and, that Anna, this is hard to a,
0: a very very large. It is yes, I know it's <laughs> very complicated, which is why I'm doing my best to break it down for you. No, you're everybody. doing
1: a great job. So I think
0: uh, thank you. Uh, well, right we'll see. We'll see what kinds of uh, emails we're receiving. No, this other, we no, get. no,
1: this. But I think the.
0: That... So back to thinking about. Um, mosaic evolution uh, to sort of like segue to our discussion of tools and um, thinking about, again, like what do we ascribe to humans and and what does that actually mean, if anything, right? Um, All of these categorizations are retroactive, right? It says nothing about how these individuals thought of themselves. It says nothing about interactions between these groups apart from it it is a more or less biological categorization, except that, strictly speaking, the biological definition of a species is a group that cannot, outside of that species, cannot create viable offspring, cannot, cannot mate and create... Uh, viable offspring that can then continue to have babies etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so in recognizing that there is Neanderthal DNA and Denisovan DNA in certain parts of the Homo sapiens population that suggests that biologically speaking they were not distinct enough to be different species but we put them in these different categories because of how different their habitat was because of how different they physically looked from one another. And so the, the issue then becomes like thinking about these species designations as just sort of a way to a way for everybody to understand what we're talking about. When we talk about, uh, these, these different species, like you have to call it something Yeah, we have to call, we have to, in order to be able to, think about these populations, we have to be able to point to them and have some sort of categorization to say, like, I'm talking about this group of people right now. So I got to call them something. And those categorizations are, again, retroactive, but also not arbitrary, but but they can shift. Is They're not set in stone.
1: Is species sort of like the atomic unit of of organisms no okay so okay so <laughs> like a genus and then you like you break it down into species
0: Mm-hmm. oh yes is i see that I see what you is mean. that yes. sort of
1: the atomic that's what i mean like is that it's so, not and it's
0: it can break oh. down into like subspecies and yeah so like i said when so i when maybe I've there ex- would
1: be there maybe there is there should be like a
0: different it is, so it there are these these subcategories and kind of ways of wiggling around that biological species definition. Um, but again, it's like things that people don't agree on. It's like, are Neanderthals a subspecies of human? Are we all just human? Should we call them Homo sapiens Neanderthalensis? And right. we're Homo sapiens sapiens. Yeah, right, I've so, seen
1: that. Yeah. I've
0: Yep. And that's that's like some people think that that they are simply another kind of human. I'm inclined to, to agree like a a human population that, that kind of look different, but in terms of behavior and in terms of physiology, not enough, not different enough. Um, Is that,
1: does anybody, uh, does things like outmoded conceptions of race
0: Oh yeah. Factor into this. Uh huh. Yeah. Because the first Neanderthal specimen was. I say uh,
1: outmoded conceptions of race. Like that's sort of
0: like
1: that. Well. You know. Like. like,
0: So yeah. This. A lot of this uh, taxonomy. Especially for the. The types of hominin that we have known about for a while. um, Suffer from having been discovered. uh, In the 1800s. When. Um when sort of eugenics and race science was still really a, a thought of as a scientific framework and a way to understand human populations. And so it's like
1: a feedback loop.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was just sort sort of like
1: into these ideas, like finding. Yeah,
0: definitely. Especially like this gets us into like, um, the search for uh, the search for the missing link and how, western europeans extremely wanted the missing link to be found in europe because that would show that that big-brained humans of course are you know they they originated in europe where all of the white people are and yeah. so and that is why the the piltdown man which turned out to be a big hoax that's why that hoax worked because people it was confirming what people wanted to believe anyway yeah um and also it was a very clever forgery that didn't uh, that stood up to testing until better testing was, was developed like 50, 50 years later. Um, okay. So in order to kind of transition into talking about tools, I do, I want to bring back the idea of mosaic evolution, um, that some, you know, different parts of physiology, behavior, um, just sort of like cognitive abilities, all of that, those are not dependent on each other necessarily. There are bits and pieces that change over time. Sometimes they change in a way that is correlated. So, like sometimes there are direct links between uh, different. So, f- so for example, something that's going to come up. Uh, there are thought to be connections between a change in brain size and a decrease in tooth size, for in, specifically no in in our li- lineage. Uh, partially. There's less room. Yeah. But also, uh, might have to do with diet. Um, and so that's what I want to talk about because bipedalism, um, is something that we know existed in the Australopith lineage. So right. between two, two and four million years ago, before our before it sort of, um, is categorized as, as like switching over into the genus Homo and switching is the wrong word to use, but, but before we see any any fossil record of the genus Homo, uh, we know that our ancestors were already walking upright. We not only have fossils that show that, that demonstrate that, but we also have footprints. We have australopith footprints preserved in volcanic ash at Lytoli, which show a foot that looks like human feet and not like chimp feet. So, like, we had progressed to walking upright, way before our brains basically tripled in size which is what happens from about 6 uh, 600,000 years ago forward um and so the thought is so it, when you are walking on two legs instead of four you have your hands free to do things and that is something that not only allows you know you can carry a carry a baby you can gather and hold the things that you are are gathering. You can create tools. You can create, um, containers. You don't have to just like hold your stuff in your hands. You can find a way to consolidate things and bring them with you. Um, so as that pertains to human evolution, it's thought that having hands free to make tools led to the availability of a higher quality diet because, um, In general, if you are eating an herbivorous diet, just like lots of leaves and tubers and things, uh, you got to eat a lot of that stuff and you have to like really chew it and process it in order to get the calories and nutrients that you need to survive. So for a small, you know, three and a half foot tall, small brained Australopith, maybe that's enough. But if you have access to tools and you are traveling in groups, then maybe sometimes you can see that a hyena has made a fresh kill and you can chase the hyena off if you have enough numbers. And you can use your Oldowan stone tools to chop some of that meat off. And that is high in protein. You have access to fats. So those that is higher quality food. Not in terms of, I'm not talking about like, in terms of like whether it's gourmet or not, I just yeah, mean it's like you know James calorically Beard in terms of yeah, <laughs> James Beard award winning meat that I hacked off this <laughs> this zebra um, and five of course stars, the hyenas are,
1: hyenas are laughing because your older one tools
0: not much they don't they don't look like much they don't look like much Oh, uh, older one star um eh, that joke wasn't much. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, I've just is, been
1: thinking about how like chimp-looking feet is like a really specific insult. Like,
0: no, I mean nobody has chimp-looking feet no, because they look I'm like saying, hands. Like
1: if, just say it. Like if you said like
0: chimps have opposable a, toes, and sometimes what I'm a jealous.
1: descriptive. If so, like somebody with like long look at those chimp-looking feet. I know, right? Like what a burn.
0: Well. We at The Dirt don't necessarily don't, do that. don't advise being cruel to other people based on <laughs> how their chimps. feet look. Or chimps. Everybody be nice to each other, also because chimps could, like, tear you apart. Um, they're very strong. And so, okay, so final point here is that <laughs> that. Be cool. Uh, ax- no, not that. <laughs> the access to higher quality foods. Oh, my God, buddy. Can we please just <laughs> finish this fight? <bite? laughs> I thought that was tough. No, no. The point that I'm trying to make is that this access to higher quality foods over generations means that as we are growing and developing like as babies, if we have access to more calories and more nutrients, um, then there is more energy that can be directed to the brain and growing the brain. And so this shift in quality of diet is thought to be, uh, one of the main contributing things that led to, uh, the development gradually of our larger and larger and larger human brains. Cause the brain, as I'm sure many of you know, is the one of the most costly parts okay. of, of our body in terms of energy. We, we basically spend about 20% of the energy that we consume every day, um, goes to keeping our brain going. And, um, It's hard to do that on a diet of just leaves. It is also thought that this gradual change in brain size, which really kind of kicks up uh, around 600,000 years ago, is also related to a period of really unstable climate. And and I'm talking about unstable climate over the course of generations. So, like, not this winter, it's... So So the increase in
1: brain size happened during a period of climatic
0: instability? Yep. And so that means that those are environmental pressures that favor individuals with the ability to respond well to changes in their environment. And so that may be over a scale of generations, but the larger... Like like, like how
1: many? Is there a a sense of how long this took?
0: Yeah. By about 300,000 years ago, uh, hominin brains were roughly the size they are now, which is about 1,500 cubic centimeters. Um, So we start out around 400. That's like chimps and australopiths. So like the size of a a navel orange. And our brains are mm, roughly the size of—I don't know—like a melon, yeah, like a like a decently sized cantaloupe. Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> you got a lot of brain in there, bud. Not like a watermelon, but like a anyway. Um, yeah, so so along with access, you know, along with having the calories and the the nutrients to develop. Uh, to develop the brain, you know, to have the energy to grow all those brain cells, um, individuals with larger brains and, and sort of more processing power are more likely to be more adaptive. Right? They're they're more likely to be able to think of new ways to solve problems or better ways to solve problems. They are able to think about um, how to best acquire the things that they need: food, shelter. Um, and so, in general, that's an example of environmental pressures being a force that, without agency, it just happens this way, that selects for some individuals in a population and not others. And so that's where we're gonna leave this main feed episode because with those big brains, uh, we learned how to we learned how to make tools, but but that's not something that specifically makes us human. So with that with that kind of teaser and cliffhanger, I'm going to end this part and maybe, maybe Amber, you go to sleep.
1: (laughs) But brain size, like within the human population doesn't mean anything, right? No, you
0: can't. No, no. Your brain size and shape and wrinkles in no way determines how intelligent an individual is. And we're going to, we're going to talk more about that in the next segment. Yeah. It has to do with like the density of neurons more than anything, like how connected your synapses are.
1: I like to think of a density of neurons
0: being the collective noun, <laughs> density of articles about neurons, so this has been kind of a a, a loosey-goosey kind of um, exploration of of the context for talking about humans and tools. So hopefully, this this leaves you with a good you amber and you the listener leaves you with a good foundation to catch the next part which will be released on the premium feed so if you want access to that again uh you get a seven-day free trial if you sign up at, at the dirt will at the link, link. we'll link, link it in show notes. not gonna say the whole thing link in the show notes uh the dirt bags only membership tier and it's the only uh, one you can support the show and, uh, well, it's a single tier, so <laughs> one step. Uh, and then you're supporting the stuff we do and it's just five bucks a month. So come on down, join us, come hang. Uh, it's fun out here. And I think
1: I'm just like upset at
0: there's me. So
1: much to, th- there's so much to think
0: about. here. There is so much to think about, but like not right now and not all at once. I think you probably need to go rest your big brain. Like go I'm rest those. Crying. You knew we were talking about human evolution. It's a really big topic. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank, I hope you enjoyed you. this. hope you uh, come join us at the Dirtbags Only Lounge and uh, catch part two. Because honestly, I think that's the most interesting part.
1: Oh, God.
0: <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All right.
1: Goodbye, well, everybody.
0: We love good you. Good night. Good night.